But as we get started, we are walking through uh, kind of this four chairs discipleship. Um, and this model, as uh, the video kind of shares, is uh, we have the lost, the infant, the young adult, and then the parent who is reproducing. And as we walk through this, we've come through kind of this, this pattern and model that Christ gave us of calling us to come see, of coming to follow, of coming to die, and then of making disciples. And as we walk through this stage of infancy to adolescence, we get to this place of parenthood and we think we're done, right? We've graduated or we're excited, we've reached the end, but really it's just kind of the beginning. And if I would start this journey, I would say that we actually start in that chair because, one, that's the model we had of Christ coming to us. But also, that's what initiates infancy. Because if no one is called into this place, then the church doesn't grow. The next generation isn't reached. We're not healthy. And the message of the gospel starts to get limited. And now God's greater than that, and he revives and he brings um, life, but we're called to partner with him in that journey. Um, We look at this as parenthood, but parenthood about being reproductive. Um, And I struggle with this seat because I don't like the idea that we're raising grown adults. I like the idea that we need to raise good parents which means we're actually needing to be a grandparent in that chair, not just a parent and not just an adult. My goal as a parent isn't just to raise grown children. I don't want my children to know all the right things to do, but have never experienced actually doing them, have never either succeeded or failed, um, but just are living in this knowledge like an encyclopedia or the Google right, that they know everything but won't actually do anything with it, right? Uh, There's a kind of a word describing part of a generation, the man-child. It is your child who has grown up playing video games in the basement of mom and dad's house, living on their income. And the fear in that is that as mom and dad grow older, you now have an older and older man-child, who isn't doing anything, and the fear parents have is when, when they pass, what's going to happen? Because what they haven't raised is a fully functioning, equipped adult who is living life. They've raised a grown boy. And so we look at this as grandparenting because at the same time, we want to see our, our, our children rise up to be adults, leave the house, go into the workforce, learn, learn to do all these things, We also want to walk them through that next step as they reproduce and become parents. Because my fear is, is as a parent, my son and daughters have learned to do both the good things I've taught them and the bad things. And I want to be able to make sure that when, when they're reproducing the things that aren't really the greatest parental um, characteristics or qualities, uh, that I can also help correct them as parents. And we get to enjoy grandkids, which many of you have enjoyed as great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents. And so I think we all know there's something beautiful about this picture that's out there. 
And now as we take this picture and we apply it to the church, we would all love to have that church that is full of mature adult believers who are ready to serve, who are loving, who are growing, who are doing all of this. But if all of they all they are doing are being grown adult believers, the church isn't going to continue forward. Death happens, sickness happens, change, movement happens. And at some point, that church that was full of vibrancy and life starts to fold in on itself and age and eventually goes away. And so as we think about this idea as a church of going to make disciples and being grandparents, that we're passing along not just the heart and the desire of loving God and growing in Jesus, but that we're sharing that heart and that need to reproduce, to reach the lost, the next generation, regardless of age, regardless of position in life, but knowing they need Christ in their life. As we talk about make disciples, uh, there's a pastor, Charles Adams, who in 1850 broke make disciples up into two different wings of an airplane, as he put it. Evangelism and discipleship. This is the idea of, of making, of reaching the lost and growing them up in disciples. And he named them. This is kind of where these these theories or these big words came from. And the hard part about it is over the years, um, as a church, big church, historical church, we have built these wings up, right? And many churches have evangelism wings, evangelism training. And then on the other side of the, the facilities, they have a discipleship wing or the children's or the Christian education wing, right? And we end up having to pick one of these. And we end up dividing down the middle. And we start missing the heart of what making disciples is, which it is, is about reaching and making, and it's about growing in Christ at the same time. And here's the funny thing. If you think of an airplane, in Charles's original picture, without both wings, your plane never leaves the ground. And without both wings, your plan will never stay in flight, and it will never land safely. It will always come down. And so as we talk about making disciples, we need to realize that it's about both of these at the same time. Today, we're going to focus on this, this idea of growing in Christ in this journey, and we're going to start really looking at this idea of evangelism next week as we look to chair one and the law but we still need to make sure we're not separating these two ideas. Because once we do, what we start to do is to, to, um, to hire out or give away to others to do what we're not willing to do ourselves, and that's not okay either. We may not be all gifted in the best ways to do all of this, but here's the funny thing. We are all great disciple makers. You guys are. In the process for making disciples, we've been talking for the last few weeks, but you make disciples on a daily basis in your homes, with your friends, on social, wherever it is, we make disciples. 
The question is, are we really focusing on the truth? Or are we focusing on what makes us feel good or what we really like of sports or activities? Whatever that is, hunting's mine. But that's what we start to reproduce. But it's about being relational, intentional, and purposeful. And we do this all the time. We do family gatherings. I see you purposely reaching out. It's been a joy this last week to hear so many people calling on folks who are sick or they haven't heard of or they're worried about, looking for updates, telling us as the, as the staff what needs are out there, right? I love hearing when people are going and having dinners or planning small groups or taking trips and vacations or camping together because we can be purposeful. So now the question is, how do we identify who the people are who are actually making disciples? What makes them stand out? So how do we identify these disciple makers? So go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 6 and then move over to Luke chapter 10 in just a little bit so you can keep your finger in there. Uh, but let's pray as we get started. Lord, we thank you for how you love us in the struggles, in, in the calmness of life, and in the difficulties. We pray as you open your word to us, one that you speak the truth, your your message comes across. Lord, leave me out of, of what is going on and encourage our body to love well. And I pray to go make disciples. In your name we pray, amen. Luke chapter six, verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Disciple makers are fully trained. I know this sounds impossible, and um, we, we get worried about this. But Romans 8 reminds us that we are being conformed into the image of his son. So there's a perfectly clear and logical truth and a promise Jesus has given to us that he's the one who's conforming us. He's the one who's making us fully trained who's guiding us into understanding what discipleship looks like and what it means to be in that image of a great disciple maker because that's who Jesus is. And not only are we being conformed into that, but we're being fully trained. And that's what, what this idea is of being fully trained is being equipped. It is being made uh, to make one what he ought to be. What this really means is that our identity is that of a disciple maker, of being fully trained and ready to do this. And so that means in the beginning we were created this way and we should continue to strive to be that way because that's what we were made to be. And if we were made to be that, we're going to feel like there's something missing when we're not doing this. As a parent, it feels awkward when I miss those opportunities to care for and love on my kids and to teach them something. Right? You're like, oh, that was a teachable moment, and I missed it. 
We're made. And so to be fully trained is that the disciple maker needs to understand this full journey of discipleship and understand that we're being conformed in it, that it's part of our identity, and that we ourselves have walked in this path of coming to see, coming to follow, coming to die, and to give up what we desire to reach the lost so we can make disciples. And at the same time, the disciple maker, to make disciples, we have to experience success along the way. The process is not just that we learn what to do, but we actually go and do what we've learned to do, and we've experienced that. Whether that's through success or failure, that's not the measure, but that we continue to go experience this so that we are fully trained. Because the only way to know we're fully trained is if we've actually done it. So what does fully trained look like? Jesus gives us a really good, and the scriptures give us a good picture of this in Luke chapter 10. So turn with me to Luke chapter 10. We're starting in verse 17. This is Jesus sending out the 72 disciples. So the first 12 have already gone. He sends out the 72. Verse 17 starts this way. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. So as we look at what's happening here, Jesus has sent the first 12 out. They are with him kind of watching the 72 be sent out to go on their journey, and they've come back. The first time Jesus sent the 12 out, he sent them out, and then he received them back, and they went away, and they started to talk privately before the crowd took them. This time, when the 72 returned, again, those first 12 are with them, and then there's this joyous revival that goes on. He's excited to see them coming back. And so the disciples who have learned and been with Jesus and got sent on their first journey got to experience sending this second group out. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But to be fully trained means you need to have seen and understand the journey of, of being a disciple, of growing in Christ. You need to have experienced growing through this process. You need to be experienced in going out and walking other people with this process. That's being fully trained. So disciple makers identify them because they're fully trained and because they're the ones who see the truth. There's a movement in our eyesight 
as we go from learning to having learned and having experienced, the 72 come back and they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They recognize what God is doing. They see what is going on. Right? They see God's power and its impact in the world around them. And they're not giving glory to look at what we did, but they're giving glory to God and saying, look at what God is doing. Because the truth is, we're not trying to make disciples of us. We're not trying to make more followers of us. We're trying to make and share the truth so that more people follow Christ and have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Because that's the truth that changes the world. That's the truth that's changed our hearts. And so again, we're, the goal of, of being a disciple maker is that we're not increasing our following ship, but we're increasing the number of people who follow Jesus. And so we identify disciple makers because they, they're fully trained because they are, they see the truth and their hearts are set right. And we can identify them because they're the ones who bring joy to Jesus. In Luke 10, 21, it says this. In the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to these little children. Jesus is filled with joy as the disciples he sent out are seeing the truth, are living it out, are, have learned and are experiencing and are doing what he has asked them to do. That's what brings joy. And here's the thing about disciple makers. Just like Jesus, they see joy when the gospel moves forward. They see joy when the lost come to life. They see joy no matter what is going on. As long as transformation is happening, people are coming. People are being reached and loved and served. They find joy in that. And not because their group is growing, but because the followers of Christ are growing, because the kingdom of God is expanding. Disciple makers find joy in what they're doing, and what others are doing. When they see another disciple maker doing what they're being called to do, they find joy and they celebrate that success, even if they're being unsuccessful at that moment. So we identify disciple makers because they're fully trained, they see the truth, they bring joy to Jesus, they celebrate the joy around them. And disciple makers are friends of God, and they make new friends at the same time. John 15, 15 says this. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. As Christ called his disciples to his feet to follow him, to, to, join, to, to continue on this journey, 
they started at his feet. They started doing and learning and being sent out, right? And being a servant of him, right? Of, of, of being obedient to what he's called them to do. But friendship goes beyond servanthood. Friendship is about elevating those who were at your feet to sitting on the couch next to us. That they're no longer those who are below us, but those who are equal with us. The ones who are working in the trenches along with us. And this changes dynamics of a relationship. So as as we make disciples, we elevate people to friends, to being equals, of not holding anything back, which means as we make disciples, we start to share with those who are now our friends our whole life, both our successes and our failures. As we identify where we have fallen and need to get back to the truth of following Christ and dying to ourselves where we need to, to celebrating the great things that are coming along in our life. The unique thing about friendship versus having a teacher-student relationship is that this goes both ways. At some point, those who are in the trenches with you will pick you up. We need them to be just as much a disciple maker to us as we were to them. Because sin is going to impact our life. Struggles are going to come. Conflict is going to happen. And we need to be lifted up. And they're the ones there to do that. So we should see as disciple makers are making disciples that their circle of friends grows. Not just in their, their silos of these, this is my work friends and this is my church friends and these are the ones. No, their circle of friends. No boundaries should be there. So we can identify disciple makers because they're fully trained. They see the truth. They bring joy to Jesus. They make friends. And they see the importance of multiplication. As we go back to Luke 10, Jesus turns his attention in verse 23. Then he turns to the disciples and he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. Blessed are you, 12 disciples, for what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. These disciples who went on the first journey, who watched the second 72 get sent out and come back and see the truth and grow, Jesus turns to and says, you're seeing something no one else has. The 72 aren't seeing it right now, but you understand what's going on. There's an interesting piece of multiplication in this number where 72 goes into 12 six times. And as we look at this, the math is going to help us here. Because if we look at it, 
1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 6. And if we follow Jesus' journey that it took three years to raise up a disciple, if we make disciples once every three years, 18 years to reach six people. If I could do that, that would be a blessing. I would still take that number. But multiplication works like this. One plus one actually equals two. Two plus two equals four. Four plus four equals eight. Eight plus eight equals 16. It's called exponential growth. Math wins and Jesus wins with this. Because here's the piece. Sin is going to happen and struggles are going to come. Conflict's going to be here. People are going to move. And our path of making disciples is going to have struggles. But if we make disciples who make disciples who can make disciples, the math is exponential. The growth is going to be exponential. We're going to overcome the things that are going to work against us. And we're going to reach the more, the lost. God is going to do the work. And more people are going to find the hope they need and see the calling that's necessary in their lives. Because we were created in this image of a disciple maker. And in the end... We can identify disciple makers because they have been released by Jesus. John 16, 7 says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus released his disciples. He needed to go so the Spirit would come, so they would be empowered, so they would have the abilities to do what he's been sending his disciples out to already do. And yes, this was part of his plan and God's vision of how he was going to rescue us. Yet at the same time, he tells them, it is better that I go. So the disciple maker realizes at some point he needs to release those who sit at his feet, who he's called up to be friends, so they can go out and do what they've been called to do. Because if they don't, what will happen is they will continue to either sit on the couch or sit at your feet and replicate you and not Christ. And if we just let that happen, then at some point, again, Age and death will slowly decay what has been going on because we're not reaching the next generation. We're not sharing the truth. We're not being obedient to what God has called us to do. So the disciple maker knows he has to or she has to release those he's discipling to go out and make disciples. Now, here's the thing. We're never really ready for this kind of Band-Aid to get ripped off, right? That's kind of a gross picture. But we enjoy sitting on the couch. 
We enjoy being taught. We enjoy that friendship. We enjoy the comfort of what we understand. But the commandment isn't, the mission is not just to sit there, but it's to go. And when we're doing those things, God blesses it. And we feel encouraged. And we get to see the incredible work the Spirit does, that Christ does in this world. And we get to see growth happen. At this point, on the couch, sitting next to the original disciple maker is now another disciple maker. Whether they get released or not from the original one, they've been fully trained, right? conformed in the image. They've been brought up. They know the truth. They know what they need to do. They want to bring joy to Jesus. They want to go create and build friends They want to share and reach out. And at some point, that other disciple maker knows he has to go. So whether you're released by your your mentor, whoever's discipling you, or you know it's time, you need to go as well. as we look at this, as we think of this process of moving from infancy as God has done something into our hearts and made us aware and called us on this journey of growing closer to him, of dying to ourselves so that we learn how to be a fully trained disciple maker, so that we can be released to go make disciples. The question is, are we ready? Are you ready to to bring joy to God? To find joy in what other people are doing as they're following this path? Are we ready to fill that place that sits in our heart because we know we've been made and we're being conformed, not into just a grown adult child who sits in a pew, who, who knows all the answers, but isn't doing what they're called to do? Are you ready to fill that place? And I tell you the truth, we all have this God-ordained calling to go spread the truth, right? And we're built to do it. And the church is part of this mechanism where we need to make disciples, where we need to understand that if we don't reach the lost to bring them into infancy where God changes their hearts and we help walk them down this path to hopefully become great, great grandparents of disciple makers, then our church is going to reduce. And God is good, and the truth is real, and he will keep going. So are you ready to go? If you're not ready, are you even aware? Right? As you look at this journey, can you picture where you are either in this chair or in this path of coming to see, coming to follow, coming to die, and making disciples? Are you aware of where you sit in this, this process? 
Do you even care to be moving forward to get to that chair so you can go and reach and make more? And maybe you think you are, then go and do it. You're released. If you think someone's holding you back, then go do it. That's the great thing about the church is we're going to be here to support each other and pick each other up as we try things, as we reach people, and we raise our hands and we say, uh, I need a little bit of help. I wasn't quite prepared. Or there's a struggle in my life. That's why we're here united as a church to do this path together. And let's be remembered. Let us know God is the one doing the hard work in this. I know it seems scary, but God is the one who has had the plan. He is the one who's rescued us and is rescuing every other, everyone else. And he's the one who sent his son to live the life we should have lived, who died the life or the death we should have died. And it's the father who brought him back from the grave, defeating death. And he's waiting to return, and he's waiting for us to fulfill that commandment, that mission to go and reach the lost and to make disciples. Here's the last question. Are you multiplying? Because if we're really making disciples, then we should see growth happen. We should see multiplication happen. We should see our friends, our circle of friends, and those we love in the church grow. We should see the next generation growing. We should see the truth continue down the path. So let's not be short-sighted in our measurement. Both as a church and an individual, we need to ask this question. Are we multiplying? Are we growing? And let's be real. We want to make sure we're raising not just great adults. We don't need any more man children. But we need parents who are raising great parents, who are raising great parents as we partner with the God who loves us to reach the lost. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the love you have for us and you, how you are doing such incredibly great works in us to guide us down this path of discipleship and of making disciples. We pray that as we look out, we see other people in our life that we are in relationship with, that we love, that we want to be, and that we are intentional with. And we pray for those opportunities this week for a divine appointment to start a conversation, to look to grow. Lord, convict our hearts that if we are stagnant down this journey of making disciples, of being a disciple maker, or that we don't know if we are one, that we will go start pursuing that path. And so give us that right person to talk to. Again, a divine appointment. If there's someone in your life who you see as a disciple maker or who's even discipled you down this process, tell them. Encourage them and maybe be the one who helps them see that they are ready 
to start this path. Lord, as a church, we pray for the right vision. We pray that we follow the steps you prepared for us. In your name, amen.